Amen. Well, uh, we are back in our series, Walking in 1 Corinthians. We find ourselves in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 today, where we are getting into some very challenging chapters, uh, both chapter 14 and chapter 15 of our study through uh, 1 Corinthians. Um, you probably read ahead and you've probably been interested and curious as to where we are going to go uh, with these chapters. And uh, as a pastor and a former coach, uh, I was looking for some motivation this week on how to get through uh, these chapters. And I just decided to treat this like Game 7 of the World Series, the Super Bowl itself. Just go for run. Leave it all out there. And if you got to play wounded, you play wounded. And so here we go. We're going to see what happens um, as we walk through this text and this passage together. And I want us to understand that as we look at these chapters, particularly chapter 14, chapter 14 itself has been taken out of context. And uh, these chapters have been chapters that many in the churches have really struggled with their meaning. And so what we're hoping to do today and what I'm hoping to do is that we can now add some clarity to what it is that Paul is writing about when he writes to the Corinthian Christians about prophecy, about tongues, and about building up the church. Now, this morning, we're going to specifically focus on the first five verses where Paul speaks specifically to prophecy. He compares it to tongues. He then defines what prophecy is versus what tongues is. And then we then see Paul call the Corinthian Christians to ultimately focus on prophecy so that the church can be built up. Now, the phrase that I want us to hear, that we're going to hear repeated, not only this week, but in the weeks ahead, is that we have been called to build up the church. And so whether you see the phrase building up the church or built up the church, we need to understand that this phrase is going to be repeated for the next several weeks because that is Paul's goal when it comes to using the gifts that God has given us in order to faithfully serve the local church. You see, for Paul... God is not a God of confusion. For Paul, God is not a God of division, but rather as we have seen over the past few weeks and the last few chapters, God is a God who believes that diversity is a good thing. And ultimately, a diversity of gifts is what unites a local church. At the same time, we see that God is a God of love. And so Paul speaks of the word love itself and says that it is love, the gift of love, that we should really be known for as believers today. Thus, as we look at our text this morning, we're going to see how Paul continues in his hope and his passion for the local church as he calls the church to be one of unity, to be a place of clarity, and also to maintain a willingness to continue to build up the body of believers. Now, before we get into this text this morning, we need to understand what Paul means when he says being built up, because again, this is the phrase that we're going to continue to come back to. Now, when Paul speaks of being built up, he's speaking to the need for clarity. He's speaking to the need for unity within the church, a clarity and a unity that comes with discipleship. It's a clarity and a unity that comes with an understanding of the Word of God. So when Paul speaks, excuse me, when Paul speaks of being built up, he is thinking of church growth both in maturity according to discipleship, but then out of that discipleship, how there should now come an overflow of growth in gospel presentation where ultimately more people come to faith in Jesus Christ. So notice when it comes to being built up. Paul wants the church to grow. And not just grow in number, in faithful converts, 
to the hope that could be found in the saving grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But he also wants the people to be discipled according to the Word. To, to have a faithful understanding of what the Word teaches. In fact, Paul probably has in mind at this point what was taught about the New Testament church when you go back and look at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. We see what was important for the local church in those passages. And then, when you get to verse 47 of Acts chapter 2, it says, And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. You see, Paul wanted the church to grow in its passion. And he wanted that passion to spread from the church to the body of believers and to the non-believers who lived around them, even to those who did not know Christ. But yet through seeing the actions and the words of the believers and their heart for one another and their service to one another, they would come to the believers and say, what is it about you that makes you different? To which the believers could say, what makes us different is our hope in Jesus Christ, who is our Savior and Lord. Now, in order to achieve this goal, Paul had to write to the Corinthian Christians to distinguish what it meant to not only have the gift of prophecy, but also what it meant to have the gift of tongues, which is, seems to be the top two gifts that every Corinthian Christian should have. I mean, this was the goal for the Corinthian church. All the other gifts were nice. However, what they really wanted was the gift of prophecy. The, the, the ability to be able to encourage one another and to, and to serve one another, all these things were nice, but what mattered was the ability to speak in tongues. So Paul begins this section by writing about prophecy and ultimately writing about building up the church in order to see the difference between prophecy and tongues and how the church should seek the gift of prophecy in order to encourage the church growth and encourage church unity. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I would encourage you now to join with me. I'm in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 1 through 5. And once you have found your place there, and you can, and you are able, uh, I would ask you to stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. Now this is Paul writing to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 through 5. Here is what Paul writes. He says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. <clears throat> now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophecy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you, God. You can be seated. Now, notice how in this section, Paul returns to the subject of spiritual gifts, and his goal ultimately remains the same. He wants these gifts to be used to build up the local church. Again, that's where we're going to end our passage today at the end of verse 5. 
So Paul literally begins where he left off from the last chapter and reminds the Corinthian Christians that love is the superior gift since it is the gift that is everlasting. Remember, we talked about that, that of these gifts that will remain, faith, hope, and love will remain, but the greatest of these is love. Now, from there, Paul teaches the differences between speaking in tongues versus the gift of prophecy. And ultimately, he's going to conclude that the gift of prophecy itself is a better gift since it is the gift that ultimately edifies the church and builds up the church, whereas the gift of tongues is a gift that edifies the individual. Now, what we'll see in these first five verses is Paul's going to then define prophecy for us. He's going to define tongues, and ultimately how tongues, if done correctly, should be used and could be used like prophecy and thus also be used to build up the local church. So let's just go ahead and jump back into our text and see Paul's point in prophecy and building up the church. And the question that we're going to seek to answer today is how can we build up the church? Verse 1, Paul teaches us that we should pursue what matters. Now again, you may be here today hearing all we're talking about is prophecy and tongues, and clearly this is important to the Corinthian Christians, but praise be to God, I don't live in Corinth. Praise be to God, I don't live in this time. Therefore, praise be to God, I'm not worried about having the gift of tongues, nor am I worried about the gift of prophecy. I am content in the Lord's gifting and what it is that he has gifted for me. And so if that's you today, I want you to hear what the Lord has for you in terms of your own gifts. And the first thing he says to you is that you need to pursue what matters. In other words, Paul opens with what really should matter to the local church. The very first phrase he gives us in verse 1, he says it. Pursue love. In other words, Paul reminds the believers of what matters when it comes to spiritual maturity. And as we said last week, they should know us by our love. Now, to put this in context, for the Corinthian Christians, they may have been impressed by the different gifts. We know, according to Paul's writings, that they were especially impressed with that of prophecy and, and that of speaking in tongues. But Paul reminds them that the gift that is most important to the body of believers and to the local church is love itself. But I want us to notice the word pursue. You see, when Paul says to pursue love, He's saying that you should seek after it in order to catch it, attack it, or gain it. One way or another, you are to achieve love. The best way to think about this word pursuing is, is think about watching National Geographic. I don't know if you guys watch that, but my favorite episodes of National Geographic is the predator ones where it shows them hunting. You know what I'm talking about? This is where the animals literally stalked their prey. It's awesome. It's like the ultimate game of hide and seek in your own home, except you're not attacking your children, hopefully, right? Literally, these animals hunt, they stalk, and they pursue what it is they're trying to capture. Maybe that's a bit much for you, and so you're looking for another, another definition of the word pursue. Another definition would be this. It's like having a passion, or better yet, having a goal that you, that you hope to achieve. And so what do you do? You go hard after the goal. You go hard after what it is that you're trying to achieve. And so this is exactly what Paul is saying to the Corinthian Christians. He's saying, listen, if you're going to go after anything, then go after love. If you're going to go hard for anything, then go hard for love. He continues in the text and he says, and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Now notice what Paul says here. Paul says, look, love should reign supreme. However, the spiritual gifts that have been given by God should be what is greatly desired 
by all. And then he continues and says, especially that you may prophesy or prophesy. Now, if we were following Paul here, Paul teaches us that love should be the foundation of who we are, and thus love is the outflow of the gifts that we desire to use. And so as God's people, we should desire to have gifts to be used to glorify God, especially when it comes to the gifts of prophecy, which can and should be used to build up the local church. In other words, Paul is literally saying to us today, just as he said to the Corinthian church, that if you're going to pursue the spiritual gifts, then pursue prophecy. Why? Because that's the gift that edifies the body. That's the gift that encourages the body to grow. Now again, brothers and sisters, before we even begin to define prophecy and define tongues itself, do we see our need to follow after and pursue the gifts that God has given to us? Do we see that in love we have been called together for the purpose of sharing our gifts so that the church can be edified and ultimately for God to be glorified? You see, that's the reason why God has given us the gifts and the talents that we have been given. Those gifts and those talents are meant to build up the church. And so the question we have to ask for ourselves is how are we using our God-given gifts in order to build up the church? In other words, you and I are here for a reason. We're here to worship, yes and amen. We're here to serve. (laughs) We're here to build up the body, yes and amen. But as Paul says to the Corinthian church, I believe he would say of the Western church today, particularly of Southside Baptist Church, he would say to us, pursue what matters. And what matters is the building up of the church through service in love according to the word of God. And so we have to ask ourselves this morning as believers today, are we pursuing what matters? Now notice what Paul's going to do from there. He's going to continue and give a second reason for how we can now build up the church. And we see this reason in verse uh, verse 2 through verse 4. Paul says this, that you need to know the difference. So not only do we pursue what matters, but we now need to know the differences of the gifts. And Paul speaks specifically here of the differences between prophecy and tongues, ultimately what they mean and how they are to be used. Look with me at verse 2. Paul says this, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. Now, here's where we begin to get into our definitions of what Paul is talking about when he speaks of prophecy versus speaking of tongues. Now, many have read this passage and used this passage as their reasoning for speaking in ecstatic utterances. Now, they use this idea because they believe that there's a clear distinction between what's happening here as people speak in tongues versus what happened in Acts chapter 2 when people were speaking in tongues there. And we understand that what happened in Acts chapter 2 was that people were speaking languages that were being understood by the nations. Versus here, they say, this is where only God can understand what is being said. However, I want to tell you that there's actually several problems with that way of thinking. First of all, the word tongues that's being used here, the Greek word that we have is the word glossa, which literally means human languages. It does not mean ecstatic utterances. 
At the same time, notice what Paul says about the languages and speaking in tongues. He says, no one understands him. But he utters mysteries. Literally, that's Paul saying to the Corinthian Christians when they say, what is this person speaking? Paul says, we don't know what is being said. In fact, he drops the Jesus card here. He says, if anybody knows what's being said, only God knows. Why? Because only God knows the heart. We cannot judge the heart. We cannot judge intent. We cannot judge motive. We talked about that a week ago. Only God knows. However, this does not mean it's an ecstatic, heavenly, divine utterance. Rather, we just don't know because no one's there in interpret. In fact, Paul says no one knows what's being said. Thus, it's a mystery that only God knows. So let me kind of unpack what we're talking about so we can clarify this today. Because there's a lot of people who believe that you can speak in tongues. In fact, it wasn't that long ago that I sat in a conference where they sent all the students at the conference to the walls and said, speak your heavenly language to the walls and the Spirit of God will speak through the wall. I'm going to tell you in that moment, I prayed the wall would not come crumbling down on all these teenagers. Because I don't know what was going on. And so Paul, in this very same moment, if he were to walk into our church and hear someone speaking this way, and someone looked at him and said, Paul, you are the biblical scholar. Paul, you have seen the New Testament church. Paul, you are the one that knows about church polity. If anyone gets it and knows it, it's you. So Paul, help us understand. What are they saying? Paul would say this. I don't know. Gibberish, maybe? Only God knows. But whatever it is they're saying, it's clearly not meant to build up the church. <laughs> Thus, what's being said is nonsense. Now, Paul explains why he believes this about tongues as we get into verse 3 and 4. Look with me, verse 3. First thing he says, on the other hand. Now, let's just pause right there. Notice what Paul is doing. He's clearly establishing a difference. He is establishing a, a divide between what's happening, this, this speaking in tongues versus true prophecy and prophesying and what that looks like. He says this, on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Notice what Paul says about prophecy. He says, look, prophecy takes precedence over tongues. Why? Because it can be understood. It's not shrouded in, in some sort of mystery that offers no explanation. In fact, Paul says that prophecy is used for upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. And so notice that Paul points out that this gift, the gift of prophecy, was meant to encourage the body of believers. It was meant to comfort the body of believers. It was meant to strengthen the body of believers and the local church. Now again, as a side note, this is not the only gift that does that. But for the sake of our argument today, with Paul speaking to the Corinthian Christians, this is the focus on these two particular gifts. But here was Paul's point. Paul's point was this. Prophecy is beneficial because it can be understood. Now again, we see more of the differences as we come back to the text between prophecy and tongues itself. Verse 4, he says this, the one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up. Now notice that Paul addresses 
tongues again because this was the, the gift that seemed to be a favorite amongst the Corinthian Christians. And yet they knew very little about it. I mean, I could understand that coming from them. Because you see, they were, they were fascinated by this foreign tongue that they were hearing like we hear today. It's almost like if someone were to walk into the church and they, they spoke a different accent or they spoke a different language, we would be fascinated by it. You don't believe me? Then why is it do we have Bible apps where you can hear the Word of God spoken from the voice of Sean Connery? Because his voice is amazing. Let's be honest. If, if you had a choice and Sean Connery was still alive and well and a Christian, you'd probably rather hear him preach the Bible than me. Who said it? Shame on Let me give you another one. I'm afraid to now. I'm going to look down at my nose. I'm not even going to look back. It would be like James Earl Jones reading the Bible. Yes. Miss <laughs> Charlotte, I am not feeling very encouraged today. Can you believe me? She said, oh, you said yes to James Earl Jones too? Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Let me give you another context. Tell myself out a little bit. It would be like worshiping in a foreign setting where people are singing in a foreign language and the Word of God are being preached in a foreign language. It's unique. It's different. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, as someone who's been on mission trips, listening to people worship in other languages, it is one of the most incredible things you could ever hear. It really is. It's incredible to hear people worship in Spanish. It's unbelievable. I know a lot of what they're saying, praise be to God. Thank you, four years of Spanish. But I don't catch everything. But it's beautiful and it's engaging. I've heard people worship in Portuguese before. I don't know anything they're saying. Mm -hmm. But I know they're singing to the Lord. And it's engaging <laughs> and intriguing. I've heard people preach in Russian. <clears throat> All I can tell you about Russian is that sounded very convicting. That's all I can tell you. But people were worshiping and they were praising God. And here's what happened. The American kid just listened. Now, no, I was not in Russia. This was a church in a community that had a pastor that was reaching Russian people that are in our nation. But it was still unique and engaging. And Paul says this, listen, if someone walks in and they start speaking in what's not your native tongue, then that gift only builds up the one who's speaking it. Why? Because all eyes are on them. Our gaze is not fixed upon the Lord in that moment. Our heart posture is not turned towards God. Right? And we're more intrigued by what it is that's being said. And Paul says, listen, this is the opposite of what, have I been, what I've been teaching you about spiritual gifts, taking us all the way back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But notice as we get into our text again, Paul continues. He says, but the one who prophesies, he builds up the church. Now, it's one of my favorite lines in a lot of movies that I hear, this is that moment where we simply need to see the difference. But Paul says, no, I want you to know the difference. Paul wanted the church to see and know how prophecy was the greater gift because there was prophecy that was being used to strengthen the church. It was prophecy that was being used to encourage the church. It was prophecy that was being used to, to support the local church. And for Paul, when it comes to the word prophecy in this moment, he is not speaking of a prophetic word given to people directly from God about future times. 
but rather prophecy. The prophecy that Paul is speaking of here. He is speaking of divine interpretation, literally meaning the word of God being taught. When he speaks of prophecy in this moment, he's speaking of the word of God being preached. When he speaks of the prophecy in this moment, he is speaking of the word of God being proclaimed. And all of this proclamation, all of this preaching was meant to teach the church so that the church would grow in maturity, grow in holiness, so that the church could be encouraged when times got hard. That's why Paul says, when it comes to these two gifts, prophecy is back. Why? Because the Word of God is being spoken. And ultimately, the Word of God directs us back to God. We just think about that for a moment. Oftentimes, people will come and sit in my office and they say things to me like this. Pastor, I just want to hear from God. My response, have you read your Bible? I have had people, not members of our church, thankfully, sit in my office and say, Pastor, I want to hear God's voice. My response, read your Bible aloud. <laughs> it's really just that easy. So what does this mean for us? Knowing the difference between tongues, knowing the difference between prophecy and how prophecy is preaching itself, and tongues is just this is human language. Well, I think the difference is this. Clearly, we see two sets of gifts. Two clear and distinguishable gifts. And Paul says in this moment, if there is one to be desired, contextually, Corinthian church, then that gift, the gift of prophecy, is the gift that needs to be obtained. However, Paul says at the same time, we need to see that the call for the local church is to use the gifts that God has given to us. Not to build up ourselves, but rather to build up and edify the local church. And so we need to see the importance of the word of God to the church. We need to see the importance, parents, to the word of God to our children. How are we training our children in the ways of the Word of God? Church, when we gather, how are we gathered around the Word of God? I mean, we have live in a day and a time that people just want to make up their truths and they want to say this to us. They want to say, hey, I just feel like we need to do this. Why do we need to feel that way? Why don't we just do what the Word of God says? And then they say to us, well, that's, that's your truth, but that's not my truth. No, I'm sorry. This is the only truth. There is no other. And so parents, you may be sitting here today and thinking, man, God has not given me the gift of prophecy. Well, then let me tell you something. God has given you the blessings of children so that you can then teach them the ways of God. And so I'm going to ask you, how are you teaching your children the ways and the wonder that comes from the word of God? At the same time, we need to understand this about the church. If the church is not centered upon the word, then we have a problem. 
Why? Because the church can't just be about worship. The church can't just be about events. The church can't just be about programs and negate the Word of God. At that point, you're just as good as the local YMCA. But rather, when it comes to the church, Paul would say that the church has to be gospel-centric with the Word of God guiding our every step. Anything short of that is not what the Lord intended for the local church. So we have to ask ourselves again, man, how are we using the gifts that we've been given to build up and edify the church? Are we in seeing the differences and distinguishing the differences, seeing prophecy as the, the top word of God? Are we desiring the word of God to be central to the church? Or are we, are we like the Israelites in Nehemiah and Ezra when they cried out, give us the book? Is that our passion? Or are we desiring something else? You know, this might be a great question to ask in your gospel community as we've been walking through this compelling community book together. Are we desiring and hoping that the word of God is central and will be central to who we are? And anything less than that, it's just unacceptable. You see, for the Corinthians, when it comes to the two most desirable gifts, again, what they defined as most desirable gifts, when it comes to those two gifts, Paul says this, the preached word is what builds up the local church. Thus, teaching and preaching the word of God should be a priority for the local church and not some rambling that draws attention to our sex. And then here's what Paul's going to do. He's going to move away from knowing differences to then giving us one more point as to how we are to build up the church. And he says this in verse 5. He says, use your gifts. Use your gifts to encourage the local church. Notice how Paul here wants the church to to use their gifts to build up the church. So he comes back to tongues again and actually gives us a way that speaking in tongues can edify and encourage the church. He says this, Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. Now again, Paul comes back to the point that it's okay to speak in tongues and to ultimately have that as a gift, yet prophecy would still be the more important gift, especially because of what it means to the local church. But yet Paul does say the phrase, he wants all to speak in tongues. In other words, Paul shows that speaking in tongues is a real gift that can be used to bless the local church and be a benefit to the local church. In fact, Paul even notes how this gift uh, should be used and therefore not taken out of context and how it can be a blessing. He comes back and says, and to the one who prophesies, he is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. And then notice this phrase, unless Someone interprets. You see, for Paul, again, he states, look, prophecy is the way to go. If these are the two gifts that we're going to focus on, let me tell you, the preached, proclaimed, taught, word of God is the way to go. However, there is a way to faithfully speak. There is a way to faithfully interpret. Paul says, look, this is when tongues is good. It's good when the word is translated. And again, we're not talking some random utterance. We're talking a language. When the language itself is interpreted. Paul says it is good when someone comes in uttering a different human language, and then there is someone there to interpret what it is that they are saying. 
I mean, think about that for a moment. Paul says, look, we got two gifts before us. If you want to know which one I believe is better, Corinthian Christians, it's preaching the word of God. I mean, think about that. The very last thing Paul says to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, 4, what does he say? Preach the word. Encourage. Exhort. Rebuke. The very last thing he tells Timothy, preach the word of God. That's what Paul believes is important. But then he says this. Coming back to our text. He literally says, if someone were walking to your church and they began speaking and praying in Spanish, or they began speaking and praying in French, <laughs> and only they would understand, then only they would benefit. And that does not build up the church. If someone were to come in, they began proclaiming John 1 in Latin. Homeschool students, I'll see you. And no one is there to interpret. Then they would only be benefited themselves. However, if someone can translate, now all will benefit because now all will know. See, here's the truth. When, it, when the tongue or the language is interpreted, then Paul says that gift is now beneficial. It's beneficial for the Baha because now the bottom is being built. For in that case, the language is spoken, it's interpreted, and then it's used to encourage the church, to train the church, to edify the church, and the church will be strengthened by that. Again, notice what Paul's goal is. Notice what Paul's hope is. Paul's hope was to see the church strengthened, not the individual. That's why Paul points us back to that which is good for the church. So brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to realize we are called to now use our gifts to encourage the church. So whether you're speaking a foreign language, whether you're teaching, you're preaching, whether in your service, the question we have to ask ourselves is how are we using what God has given to us in order to encourage those around us? And I say that because you may be here today and think, prophecy is not my thing. Maybe you're thinking, wow, we have kids that have memorized John 1 in Latin? That's impressive. I can do it in pig Latin, but that's as good as it gets. <laughs> that may be you today. And all of a sudden, you may be feeling discouraged because you may be thinking about your gift and thinking, well, my gift is small. I mean, I, I pray a lot. I pray well, I feel like. I'm a good encourager. But here's what Paul would say to you. Even in those gifts, how can you use them to bless those around you? Because there's the reality, you can, and you've been called to. You see, Paul wanted the Corinthian Christians to really remain focused on what matters. And as we have already said, at the very end of verse 5, and you're going to see it again as we get further in the 1 Corinthians 14 next week, what mattered to Paul was seeing the church built up. And so Paul focuses on prophecy and cons, because that was the it gifts, if you will, for the Corinthian Christians. And he focuses on how good prophecy is. And Paul says that the preached word is what should be the priority for the local church. 
not the lights, not the, not the beat of the drums, not even the, the atmosphere, not even the emotion. No, what matters is how we respond to the word and then how we teach and proclaim the word within the local church. And at the same time, Paul encourages the church by clarifying really what speaking in tongues means. Paul says, doesn't mean ecstatic utterances. It is not some sort of heavenly divine language. Because that would not make sense as God is not a God of confusion, nor has God created the gift that was meant to elevate one person. No gifts were given so that the body could be built up. So when Paul speaks of tongues, he's speaking to the languages of mankind. He is, he is talking about a way that languages could then bless the church and encourage the church when they are being interpreted by someone who understands it. So here's where Paul lands in our first five verses that are going to carry us through the next couple of weeks. When it comes to prophecy and building up the church, Paul says we need to first pursue what matters. And what matters is what benefits the church. Secondly, he says, note the difference. There is a difference in the gifts, especially in the gifts of prophecy and tongues. And we need to seek that which points us to the word of God and for our need for the word of God in all that we do. It's kind of like our book, Compelling Community, again, that we're reading. What draws us together is the word. Not the word and. It's just the gospel and nothing else. And then Paul says, you then need to use your gifts to encourage. Now again, Paul focuses on two specific gifts in these five verses. However, he does note that our gifts, whatever they may be, were meant to build the local church. So now we know the difference between what tongues are and what prophecies are. We know what prophecy is. We know that it's the gift that is needed over tongues, and now we should see that our gifts were meant to be used to build up the church. And from here, Paul's going to continue to speak to the gifts of tongues, and he will, and we will see more of this as we continue to walk through this over the next week or two. However, I want us to not lose sight of our call, which is what Paul gives us in verse 1 of chapter 14. He says, pursue love. Earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. Why? So that the church may be built up. Now, I love what John Calvin says about this point in speaking of the gifts of prophecy and tongues and, and how they benefit the church. He says it this way, if we are to edify according to these gifts, speaking of prophecies and tongues, then let's speak that which contains doctrine. For I understand that doctrine means that to which we are trained to piety, trained to faith, trained to worship, and trained to fear God, to point people to the duties of holiness and righteousness. In other words, for Calvin, he says, speak the languages to glorify God. Preach and teach the word to glorify God. Proclaim the word to glorify God because these gifts build our doctrine, and that is what edifies and encourages the church. And so as Paul says to the Corinthian Christians, so too do we say to ourselves, let us be a people by God's grace 
and his mercy, may we continue to build up the local church. To God be the glory for the gifts that he has given. Let's break down.